The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Are you seeking more energy and ready to have more healings and revealings in your life? Then you've tuned into the right program. For the next hour, listen in as Reverend Temple Hayes, spiritual leader of First Unity at Unity Campus in St. Petersburg, Florida, shares with you tools you can use to transform your life. She will guide you on a journey to create a life that is intentional and dynamic. Now, here's your host, Reverend Temple Hayes. And welcome, everyone, all of you intentional spirits, and happy 2018, new year, new time, new slate, ready to go. The path is clear. Well, I'm very excited to be back with you, to be back with Unity Media Network, and to also be here with you on Facebook Live, uh, connecting in. Remember, I love to hear where you're from, and also this is interactive. We're very fortunate that we have an incredible guest for you today to start our year off, and so I'm looking forward to comments and conversations and your involvement, um, including um, as we talk about Gary Renard's new book, The Lifetimes, When Jesus and Buddha Knew Each Other. Now, you got to admit, now that's some great original thinking right there. Gary Renard, um, you are known all over the world with the work that you do, uh, connecting, uh, bringing people into oneness. I love it having either you or your beloved wife on the show. You are amazing people. Thank you for the work you do in the world. Well, thank you, Temple. I, I really appreciate it, and it's great to be with you uh, today. And I'm very excited about the new book, and uh, it's uh, being very well received by people, so I'm excited about that. And it's going to be a great new year. Oh, yes. It's going to be our best year ever, right? Absolutely. I think so. Besides, uh, it wouldn't be hard to talk 2017, so uh, I think that this year will be... Uh, really a great opportunity for everyone to kind of like uh, turn it up a notch, if you will, and really practice forgiveness and be uncompromising about it because it really has to apply to everybody. You know, you can't forgive uh, this one person over here and not forgive this other person over here. Uh, If it's not equally applicable to everybody, then it's not whole. You know, it's not oneness, and uh, we really need to think in terms of oneness if we're going to, uh, you know, successfully forgive people. And then as you go along, you kind of like start to get the sense that, you know, actually, 
it looks like I'm forgiving somebody else, you know, somebody who's out there, but the truth is uh, I'm the one who's being forgiven because whatever you put out there, it's really just going to go into your own mind. It looks like the, your thoughts are going out there to somebody else, but uh, your mind is going to get that thought first. So if you're thinking, uh, you know, say, for example, some politician comes on the TV screen who you can't stand, and you say in your mind, oh, what a jerk, right? Well, that thought just went to you first. You know, it's like uh, everything that you think about another person is really going to be interpreted by your own unconscious mind as being about you. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, people wonder why they're depressed and why they don't feel good and why they're not happy. Well, just look at the garbage they've been thinking about other people their whole lives, and they didn't realize it was really just going to them, that, uh, you know, you think of somebody as as being an idiot or something, well, you're sending a message to your own unconscious mind that you're an idiot, and then three days later, you will feel like an idiot, because you're really just kind of like setting yourself up for how you're going to feel. And uh, I don't think people realize how good they could feel. Uh, They actually have the power by changing their thoughts and by changing their mind. They actually have the power to shape how they feel about themselves and ultimately even what they believe they are. So uh, the mind and the power of belief are so great that it's vital that people get complete control of their thoughts and their mind. I, I love that, and what you're saying and articulating is just, it, it's so powerful. I, I think often, uh, Gary, especially in, in metaphysical uh, neighborhoods and extending beyond, um, we often, you know, talk about oneness as a platitude or a, or a cliche or a concept rather than the identification, like you're saying, of the individuation of our own connection and um, and that awareness, it's physical, it's emotional, it's mental, it's spiritual, it's it's that essence. You explained it so profoundly, but it it always comes back to that that inner self, doesn't it? And what we're projecting yes. out there. Yes, uh, absolutely. And that actually kind of brings up the subject as to how uh, this new book came about because. You know, I thought after I did my first three books that that might be it. You know, it was a trilogy. And my teachers in the books, uh, Art and Persa, they kind of like completed the story of themselves and their past lives. And, you know, it was kind of like complete to me. And I thought that might be it. But then I realized that uh, I was so amazed by their presence that I would often forget to ask them uh, certain questions that I wanted to ask them, things that I always wanted to know, and I would forget. And so uh, I realized after the third book, I always wanted to ask them, you know, how did Jesus get to be Jesus? Uh, How did Buddha get to be Buddha? I mean, what did they study? What did they practice? Uh, What was their discipline like? What was their process like in the uh, incarnations just before they were Jesus and Buddha? And I always wanted to know that. And so, uh, yeah, I've gotten pretty good at talking with them in my mind. And I asked that question, you know, how did they get to be who they were? And uh, I got a lot more than I bargained for (laughs) when the answer came, because the answer turned out to be an entire book. 
so that's really what the fourth book is all about, and it explores uh, six previous incarnations where Jesus and Buddha actually knew each other at times. Uh, they knew, you know, they came across each other in a lot more incarnations than that, because we all have had literally thousands of, uh, you know, lifetimes uh, in different forms, and it's like uh, they really explore these six where they got to, you know, learn and be with some of the greatest teachers in the world at that time, which is only natural because they themselves were very spiritually advanced. In fact, uh, the reason that they woke up before the rest of us was because they didn't really buy into the illusion. You know, they didn't really believe in the illusion of time and space and buy into it the way that most people do. Uh, most people, at least at first, before they get on a spiritual path, uh, they make the whole thing completely real. And by investing your belief in the illusion, that gives it power over you. It's kind of like you're at the effect of it. And what they did uh, was that they didn't make it real, and they realized that it was actually uh, more like what you would call a dream, which is what A Course in Miracles uh, really gets into, about the fact that this is all a dream, and that you will awaken from it. And it's that awakening that is enlightenment. And, in fact, the truth is you've never really left God. Uh, you've never really left home. You're still there. And the Course teaches uh, you are at home in God, dreaming of exile, but perfectly capable of awakening to reality. So what you've got in the uh, final analysis is two things. You've got reality, which is a constant. It's not something that shifts or change. Uh, it's kind of like the difference between building your house upon the rock rather than building your house upon the sand, which is the shifting sands of time, the shifting sands of this world, and instead investing your belief where it belongs. And where your belief belongs is with God and his kingdom, which is why uh, Course in Miracles says, be vigilant only for God and his kingdom. And none of the rest is true. None of the rest is, is real. You've got the truth that's true, which is a constant, which has never changed. Uh, the truth hasn't gone anywhere. Uh, it's still here. Uh, heaven is still here, right in front of us, but it's kind of like what uh, Jesus said in the Gospel of Thomas. Uh, you can see that the disciples go up to him and they say, uh, when will the kingdom come? And he says, well, uh, it will not by watching for it. It will not show up by saying, you know, behold here or behold there. Rather, the kingdom of the Father is spread out upon the earth, and people do not see it. So, you know, it's not that it's not here, it's just that it's out of our awareness. And uh, what great spiritual teachings, like some aspects of Buddhism, especially uh, before it was Buddhism, when, when Buddha was actually teaching, and some aspects of, uh, you know, A Course in Miracles, Christianity, uh, and I kind of like put them together, not because they're saying the same thing, but because they use similar language. And uh, what they're saying is that what you need to do is undo the fault you, which we'll call the ego, which is based on separation from God and from each other, and replace that with something. Because, you know, it's not enough to run around saying the world is an illusion. You know, the world is an illusion. That's not really going to get you anywhere. Uh, you actually have to replace it with something. 
And A Course in Miracles is a lot more proactive than people realize because it completely replaces the thought system of the ego with the thought system of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is based on oneness and thinks in terms of oneness and wholeness and non-separation. The ego, on the other hand, thinks totally in terms of separation, wants it to be real, wants to have an individual identity and a personal existence that is somehow separate from God and separate from each other. And you can't blend the two together. You have to choose. And that makes it kind of hard because uh, this world is all we know. And uh, people get confused at first because, of course, it's not saying that uh, you shouldn't be normal in the world or that you shouldn't act normal in the world and see uh, in the fourth book that Buddha kind of like represented what he called the middle way you know, the middle path, because uh, Buddha was born to great privilege. He was kind of like a prince. His father was a king, you know, kind of like a regional king. And uh, he had everything that he could ever want, and uh, he he lacked for nothing. But he longed uh, to see the world. And so uh, what he did was eventually uh, he he was married to someone that his father wanted him to marry. And uh, he wanted to see the world so much, and his father forbid it and forbid for him to leave uh, the spacious grounds of the uh, you know palace where they were. But he escaped. You know, he actually left and went off into the world. And having everything that he wanted didn't make him happy. So he tried being an ascetic. You know, he tried denying the world and giving up everything. And uh, to his chagrin, that didn't work either. You know, so having everything didn't make him happy. Giving up everything didn't make him happy. And he started to realize that that's not where happiness is. It doesn't really have anything to do with the world. It actually uh, can be present for you regardless of what happens in the world. And it's really in the mind. And it's the mind that has to be trained and developed to the point where you can be happy no matter what the illusion is showing you, no matter what comes up. So uh, that would be real spirituality because it's not dependent on what happens in the world. Uh, Your peace and your strength of mind and your fearlessness can be there for you regardless of what happens in the world. So uh, he developed kind of like the middle way, and he realized, look, just be normal. You know, you don't have to go to excess. Uh, You don't have to try to acquire great things, but you don't have to give up things either. Because if you think you have to give something up, well, that's just making it real to your mind and and investing your belief in it uh, just as much as if you want it. So it's really just two sides of the same illusory coin. And he started to look within and to realize that uh, happiness and peace of mind came as a result of choosing reality. And uh, he did have teachers in that lifetime that he learned from, but he was already uh, pretty much more advanced than they were because of uh, all his experience that he had even before he was Buddha. So, uh, you know, he developed the middle way and realized it's not about the world or what you get in the world. Uh, After all, everybody here is going to break even. You know, it's like uh, you're not born with any money. And, uh, you know, just before you're born, you're broke. And right after you die, you're broke again. You know, you don't have any money. So everybody here is going to end up the same. We're all going to break even. You know, we're going to have exactly the same amount of money that we had when we came here, which is none. And what we need to do is look beyond the veil. You know, there's like a thin veil over the truth. And the truth is 
God, and that hasn't changed. You know, God is love, and God is a constant, and it's something that is unalterable. The truth was the truth 2,000 years ago, and the truth is still the truth today, and it's still going to be the truth 2,000 years from now, and it hasn't gone anywhere. It's still there, but it's just beyond this illusory veil that we are experiencing that we call reality when it's actually not reality, because reality doesn't shift or change. So uh, the way that A Course in Miracles would put it would be that whatever is true is eternal and cannot change or be changed. And uh, that narrows it down a lot, because there's not anything in this universe of time and space that doesn't shift or change, and the truth is just beyond it. And what we want to do is we want to learn how to see and think with spiritual sight. You know, we want to think outside the box, so to speak, and overlook the illusion, overlook the bodies that we're seeing, and think of people as what they really are and where they really are, which is exactly the same as their source. Uh, spirit is universal. It's uh, not something that is lacking. It's something that is everywhere, and the truth is everywhere. And we're being tricked by this ego that believes in separation and has uh, created an illusion that is based on separation. So what both Buddha and Jesus learned to do, and, and I don't want to give away too much about the book, but uh, it turned out that in that lifetime, uh, when Buddha was Buddha, uh, when Buddha, whose name was Siddhartha at the time, uh, when he left that royal palace that he didn't want to be in anymore, he didn't realize that uh, his wife had become with child. And uh, it's not, you know, universally recognized that Buddha had a son. Uh, some aspects of the religion believe that, and some don't. But the truth is, he had a son. And uh, he didn't know it, and he didn't know it for 20 years. And he was out there uh, finally teaching because uh, he'd, he'd become uh, someone who people wanted to learn from at that time. And there was someone who worked at the palace, and uh, he hadn't seen Siddhartha for 20 years. And he went up to him after the teaching, and he said, Hey, it's great to see you. I used to work at the uh, palace there when you were there. And I was just wondering if you had found your son. And this completely floored uh, Buddha, because he was just about, you know, completed with his mission and, uh, you know, ready to leave the planet, so to speak. And all of a sudden, this kind of like jerked him back in, because now he realized that he had a son that he'd never seen. And the son was 20 years old, and then the guy told him, well, actually, uh, your wife passed away. Sorry to tell you that. And your son is actually... Uh, someone who has left the palace and is looking for you. So the next few years they spent looking for each other, and that was an enormous forgiveness lesson uh, for Siddhartha because you know now he had a son who he'd never seen, who he desperately wanted to see, and that turned out to be like the last great uh, forgiveness lesson that he had to go through. And then he well, did yeah. find his son. Yeah. Gary, if I may, um, and a number of people are coming in onto Facebook. And um, I want to just say that we're talking today with Gary Renard. Um, he is the author of many books. He has been um, putting Course in Miracles on the map um, his entire lifetime. But he has a, a new book, a very dynamic uh, book that you want to know more about called uh, The Lifetime When Jesus and Buddha Knew each other. So it's a real engaged in a real powerful conversation. But what you were saying, there's why why would um, 
one part of, of people that are um, following Buddha not be in harmony with the fact that he that he had a son. I mean, is is it just? Well, it's not so much that they're not in harmony with it. It's just that uh, the way that religions develop, they're kind of like based on stories. You know, like, uh, you know, some of what we know about Jesus is true. Uh, and some of what we have been taught about Jesus is not true. And that was also the case with Buddha. You know, some of what has been handed down, uh, because these religions develop over a few generations, and they're not really based on uh, the words that were spoken by the original teacher. What happens is that you have the original teacher, who is what I would call uh, non-dualistic in the sense that he's only making reality real, and he's not making the illusion real. But then, within a generation or two, and this is something that is covered uh, pretty well, I think, in the fourth book, uh, what happens is people start a religion, and then they start adding their own beliefs to it, and it gets away from the original teachings. And uh, you can see how this happened to a certain degree with, uh, you know, some of the uh, Gospels from the Nakamati Library are, are saying things that are quite a bit different than what you see in the Gospels. And you can see how things are kind of like uh, changed over a few generations. And uh, we have to remember that uh, the Gospel wasn't even established. The, the New Testament wasn't even established uh, as anything official until 325. A.D. I mean, that's longer than the United States has existed. And, uh, you know, these things develop over a long period of time, and stories get changed, and beliefs get changed, and they they look partly like the original teacher, but not completely. So that's why some people would have uh, had the story that Buddha had a son, and other people would not, and they start their own stories. And it develops into a religion where uh, what Jesus and Buddha were saying was actually pretty simple. Uh, it wasn't easy, but it was simple. And you could say the same thing about A Course in Miracles. Uh, you know, people will say that it's simple, and it says that itself, but you never hear anybody say that it's easy, because it's asking you to make a, a tough decision and a choice for spirit instead of the world, and whichever one you choose will be what you believe is real. So uh, it wasn't that, you know, Buddhist followers, I think, would have any big problem with him having a son. It's just that that's the way the stories develop. And uh, speaking of... I'm sorry, go ahead. Yeah, thank you for um, elaborating on that. And it's just, um, I love the way that you define... Um, information. You have such a, a powerful way of putting it in perspective. Did he, he eventually find his son? Uh, yes. Yes, he did. And uh, that was a great joy to him. And uh, it turned out that the person who was his son uh, was someone who he had known in previous incarnations also. And that turned out to be uh, the incarnation of the person who would be Jesus uh, a few hundred years later. So uh, now, in that lifetime, you've got Buddha as the father and Jesus as the son. But this is, uh, you know, one of six lifetimes that are explored uh, in the fourth book. In the uh, first one, uh, they were Shinto's in Japan in about oh, 700 B.C. And uh, they uh, were friends, and they were eventually in love with the same woman which uh, turned out to be quite a forgiveness lesson for them. And uh, 
that woman turned out uh, in the final lifetime of Jesus to be Mary Magdalene. So uh, there's a lot of you know connections that are made, uh, especially in the lifetime of Jesus. Uh, the second one that's covered is uh, in China with Lao Tzu, and uh, they were uh, actually uh, romantic partners in that lifetime. Uh, they were a man and a woman. And uh, then you have a lifetime when they were Hindus and they were cousins, and that was later. And, and you also had a lifetime where they were uh, students of Plato, uh, fellow students. Uh, then you have that lifetime when uh, they were at the time of Buddha, and uh, Jesus was Siddhartha's son. And, uh, you know, people will argue over which came first, because the lifetimes of Plato and uh, Buddha practically intersect with each other. They're at practically the same time. But according to my teachers, Plato was actually a little earlier than uh, Buddha, and historians will argue about that. But the truth is, we don't really know our history. <laughs> you know, we think we do, but we don't really know uh, the details. And uh, so you have the lifetime of Buddha... And uh, Jesus was a son. And then, after that, you also have the lifetime of Jesus with all of these interesting relationships uh, between Jesus and Mary Magdalene, who was also enlightened by then. So, uh, And uh, what most people don't know is that Buddha actually came back uh, for one more lifetime. And he also knew Jesus and was close friends of Jesus in that lifetime. So I'm not going to uh, give away who he was, because I think it's an important uh, element of surprise in the book. But uh, we tend to, like, you know, hang out with the same people uh, a lot from lifetime to lifetime. The way my teachers uh, explained it is kind of like we're in each other's orbit, you know, uh, you meet somebody and you appear to go apart, but because you're in each other's orbit, then eventually you come back together again, and you see that person again. So a lot of times when you meet people in this lifetime, it is not the first time that you're meeting that person. You've uh, interacted with that person before at other times, and maybe, you know, just maybe there's some level of unforgiveness that has to be undone. Maybe it's subtle. Maybe it's not that important. Maybe it is important. Uh, and that's why you find a lot of conflict, you know, especially in work relationships and also sometimes in uh, personal relationships. And that is something that uh, needs to be replaced with forgiveness. But this is not the kind of forgiveness that makes it real, because if you make it real, you're just keeping it real in your mind. So what we're doing really is we're kind of like overlooking the body once again. We're kind of like uh, saying, okay, this person is having a dream, and they're having a dream that they're a body, and they think that that's really them, but I know better because I've been taught better. And so I'm going to overlook the body and think of that person as being what they really are, which is this perfect spirit that was created by God to be exactly the same as God. And uh, there's a very important law of the mind that is articulated in A Course in Miracles. It says, as you see him, you will see yourself. And it must be pretty important, because then it says, never forget this. You know, in that person, you'll either find yourself or lose yourself. 
And uh, as you know, there are millions of people out there every day losing themselves because they believe in separation and they believe in uh, survival of the fittest and kill or be killed and all these things that the ego in the mind. And uh, that's what needs to be undone, is that idea of separation. But you have to replace it with something, which is oneness. Mm -hmm. There's, um, this is, uh, you know, obviously on some parts we're um, simply bringing our opinion to the matter. Um, But there's an interesting thing I wanted to ask you, and we're getting, you know, various comments online, and I want to Welcome uh, our friends back coming into the new year. It's so great to see all of you, and thank you so much for your continued support and energy that you give to the show on Facebook Live, and you're always sharing it with others, and I, I just don't want that to go unnoticed. I really, really appreciate you, and um, loving the opportunity with Unity Media Network and that we're supporting these kind of programs and that we have the wonderful Gary Renard with us. Um, Gary, one of the things in, you know, traditional thinking, um, which is, um, you know, an aspect of um, many people in our culture that still think in the traditional, as we would call them, the old law way of uh, reality, um, they often, you know, will make um, certain statements like um, their parents have been divorced, uh, for example, or they've been in unhappy relationships for 30 or 40 years. And, um, you know, then one of them dies and then another one dies, the next one dies, uh, the next part of the couple. And they'll go, oh, my gosh, now they can finally be together. Um, when you're talking about consciousness and being in each other's orbit and being in each other's energetic field. I mean, to me, in everyday life, you know, when you're connected with people and you uh, exchange uh, experiences and stuff like that with them, if something occurs or geographical changes or choice changes or, you know, whatever, then you don't come in contact with that person again. Is it that way, in your opinion, in, in the afterlife? I mean, if people have not been resonating with each other for a long time, would they literally then go into an afterlife and be hanging out together in the same space? Uh, Yes. Um, The way it works is if you awaken in a particular lifetime, then that's it. Uh, You don't reincarnate anymore. And by the way, when I say reincarnate, uh, it's kind of like a dream. You know, you're never actually in a body. It just looks that way. It's kind of like a, you know, what Einstein would call optical delusion. You know, you think that you're in a body and you, you never were, as it turns out. You're kind of like viewing a universe of time and space with the mind, and it's kind of like a projection. And uh, the way it works is you meet somebody, and you're supposed to. Uh, like A Course in Miracles says, those who are to meet shall meet. Uh, there are no accidents in salvation. Uh, those who are to meet shall meet because together they have the potential for a holy relationship. Now, the, that holy relationship is the forgiven relationship. If you've really forgiven somebody and, uh, you know, if you've really gone all the way with it, then they won't affect you anymore. You can have, like, a bad memory uh, of some conflict that you had with them, which is what caused you to seemingly go apart. But if you can completely forgive that to the point where it doesn't bother you anymore and where it doesn't affect you anymore, then you're free of it. And maybe they have to 
uh, you know, practice a similar forgiveness lesson if they haven't awakened uh, in another lifetime. But you still have the opportunity to be free of it. And uh, as long as you haven't completed all of your forgiveness opportunities, which is how the mind is completely healed, then you will come back and you probably will meet that person again and you'll have another opportunity uh, to forgive them. Uh, These forgiveness opportunities keep coming until you forgive them. And uh, that's the way to be free of them, is to completely forgive them. And maybe uh, that person wasn't quite ready in this lifetime to go all the way with forgiveness, but maybe in in their next time they will be. And so people wake up uh, when they're ready to, and that's important, too, because uh, spirit with God, you know, being in heaven is uh, not like being human. You know, it's like a higher life form. And it's one that you have to be prepared for. It's kind of like a, uh, you know, caterpillar becoming a butterfly. You know, a caterpillar doesn't become a butterfly overnight. It has to be uh, prepared for. It has to go through this metamorphosis. You know, and then there'll come a time when that caterpillar is no longer a caterpillar and is ready to be free and is ready to fly off uh, into a higher life form. And spirit is also a higher life form, except it has no form because it's perfect oneness and and there's no uh, distinction between one part of it and another part of it because there's no separation. So it really is uh, something that we have to be prepared for. You know, it's something that you uh, get prepared for by practicing forgiveness, which undoes the ego, as uh, the Course says, once again, salvation is undoing. You undo the fault you, which is based on separation, and that's really all that you have to do. You don't have to do anything about the real you. Uh, The real you is already perfect. You know, the real you is already exactly the same as God, because God doesn't do different. God doesn't do separation. So all that we have to do is undo the false uh, being that we thought we were through forgiveness and return home. Now, uh, that's not what everybody teaches, and, and it is what A Course in Miracles teaches, but it's not what everybody teaches. And I don't expect everybody to just jump up and agree <laughs> with anything that I'm saying. But uh, the truth is, people, uh, they learn what they're supposed to learn when they're supposed to learn it. And uh, it's almost like the Holy Spirit has a plan for everybody to awaken. And uh, there's this wonderful workbook lesson in A Course in Miracles, number 159, that you know teaches how the Holy Spirit looked back from the end of time, because the Holy Spirit can see everything, you know, everything that ever happened, and devised a plan by which everybody would awaken and return home to God. And because of the idea of time and space and separation, it looks like we all wake up at different times. But that's an illusion, too. Uh, The truth is, uh, we all awakened all at once. But uh, because we're having a linear experience of time, instead of the holographic experience, which would be more in keeping with reality, uh, it looks like, oh, you know, one person wakes up in the year 2000, and, you know, another person wakes up in the year 4000. And uh, it seems like... You know, the person who woke up first was more advanced, but even that's an illusion. It's just taking place within a script. It's kind of like you have the ego script, which is the universe of time and space, 
And then you have the Holy Spirit script, which is the forgiveness of the universe of time and space. And whichever one you choose will be where you're rooted. You know, if you believe in the world, you will be rooted in the world. If you believe in God, you will be rooted in God. But you have to choose. And that's the uncompromising nature of A Course in Miracles, and it's also the uncompromising nature of my books, that we have to make a choice, and uh, you have to choose one or the other. Now, the good part about that is that even if you are choosing God in His kingdom, you can still have your life. And uh, this is something that is confusing to a lot of spiritual students, because they think, well, you know, if I'm being spiritual, I have to uh, give up everything. But if we remember Buddha and in his middle way, uh, the truth is you can have a normal life. You can have all the things that you would have had anyway. Uh, you don't have to give up money. You don't have to give up sex. You don't have to give up possessions or success. Uh, the only difference is that you're looking at it different. Now you're looking at it and forgiving it with the Holy Spirit instead of looking at it with the ego and making such a big deal out of it and making it real and having it affect you and being at the effect of it by making it real, uh, the truth is, as long as you're making it real, you will be at the effect of it, and it will be able to affect you. But the kind of forgiveness that A Course in Miracles is talking about, and I love this about the Course, it says about this kind of forgiveness, it denies the ability of anything not of God to affect you. And it says that that is the proper use of denial. You know, it's like the ego has denied God. And now what the Holy Spirit is doing is denying the ego's denial of the truth and replacing it with the truth. So uh, the only way that we can do that is to make a choice between one of the two. And I know a lot of people want to have both, and and that's cool. But uh, as I said, everybody... Uh, is exactly where they're supposed to be, which is why I never would try to invalidate anybody's uh, spirituality. You know, I can remember uh, what I believed 40 years ago when I was first starting out on a spiritual path, and I've been with the Course now for about 25 years, and I can remember some of the things that I believed, and they may not necessarily be the same things that I believe today, and yet I completely acknowledge that I absolutely had to believe that and be where I was at that time, or else I wouldn't be here. You know, so it's like, you know, everybody is studying and learning and practicing exactly what they should be studying and learning and practicing. And the Holy Spirit has a plan that is going to get all of us back home to God, and we'll all awaken exactly when we're supposed to. It's very powerful, absolutely very powerful. And that's one of the most exciting things about evolution, isn't it? Is that our our beliefs are changing and shifting and we're learning new things um, all the time. Uh, when did your book first come out, Gary, um, of the lifetime when Jesus and Buddha actually knew each other? Uh, did it just launch? Uh, let me see. It was November 14th. So it's been less than uh, two months, and uh, it's doing really great. And uh, all of my books are with Hay House, and uh, they've done a great job, and uh, I'm very excited about it. I found with my books that uh, they behave in a similar manner to A Course in Miracles in the sense that it's mostly word-of-mouth. Uh, phenomenon. You know, people, 
They'll share it with their study groups. They'll share it with their friends and their relatives. And because of that, uh, books like mine and A Course in Miracles, they just keep going forever. It's like people keep sharing them year after year after year. They're not like your typical hit book that, uh, you know, takes off and goes crazy for six months and then kind of like fades away. Uh, these are books that because of their nature and because of the fact that they're undoing the ego and teaching spirituality, uh, it's been a real delight for me to see that people just keep sharing them, you know, year after year. And I go all over the world, and there are places where I wouldn't expect anybody to know me, and uh, they have the book in their language, and uh, they just keep sharing it. So it's uh, been a lot of fun to see the last... Uh, well, my, my first book came out about oh, 15 years ago, in March, I think. That was the disappearance of the universe, and that led to all the others. And it's just been a real joy for me to see how people keep sharing the books with people, and, and it looks like that's the case with this one, too. Absolutely, and for our listeners, you can go to Gary Renard, R-E-N-A-R-D, Dot com and all his books are listed. He also has live programs as well. He has a full schedule of places that he's going to be. He is truly known all over the world, and, and we're delighted to have you today. Gary, of the number of books that you've done, is there a favorite? Well, uh, I know it's kind of like... Uh, you know, asking somebody who their favorite child is. But uh, I I think that I'll always be partial to the first one. You know, the disappearance of the universe uh, meant so much to so many people. But I really think that this one, uh, Lifetimes When Jesus and Buddha Knew Each Other, I would put that right up there with uh, The Disappearance of the Universe. Now, it's not that I don't like my other two books. I love my other two books. And I think that they all uh, were doing exactly what they were supposed to be doing, which is really kind of like keeping people focused on, you know, undoing the ego and practicing forgiveness and uh, having that process. You know, if you read uh, my books in order, they're kind of like a process uh, of forgiveness. Uh, The only difference with the fourth one is that it's also written to stand alone. So uh, people who haven't read my other three books could still read this one because uh, I give a, you know, kind of like an author's note that explains A Course in Miracles and and how it relates to Jesus and Buddha and how it all fits together. And by doing that, by the time they get to the first lifetime that uh, Jesus and Buddha shared together, they can understand, you know, kind of like where they're going and they can see the process that they went through in order to achieve enlightenment. And that's very exciting because uh, it's kind of like the same process that we all go through. And uh, it's helpful to see that they had forgiveness lessons to learn also. It's like Jesus says in A Course in Miracles. He says, there's nothing about me that you cannot attain. He says, I have nothing that does not come from God. You know, the difference between us now is that I have nothing else. And what he doesn't have is an ego. He doesn't have that thought of separation in his mind anymore because his mind uh, 2,000 years ago was completely healed by the Holy Spirit. You see, uh, people and uh, religion would think of Jesus as being like the ultimate leader. But the truth is, through his example, he was the ultimate follower. You know, he says in A Course in Miracles, eventually I just listened to one voice. So eventually he only listened to the Holy Spirit, which in a way made him, you know, the ultimate follower, because he just listened to the the right part of his mind where the Holy Spirit is, and he undid his ego completely, 
Not that he had a lot of work to do by then, because, you know, by the time uh, a master comes back for his final lifetime, uh, he's already learned everything that he needs to know. It's not like uh, Buddha or Jesus in that last lifetime had a big learning curve. It's like they already knew everything they had to know. It's just that maybe they have chosen one big forgiveness lesson that uh, will complete their forgiveness lessons. Uh, in the case of Buddha, it was, you know, uh, finding his son. In the case of Jesus, it was uh, the crucifixion. You know, and uh, of course, if you look at A Course in Miracles, you see that the real message of the crucifixion was that he was not a body, and that what he really was could not be hurt, and what he really was could not be killed. And that was the point. Uh, it was not a message of suffering or sacrifice. It was a message of fearlessness and total forgiveness and total love. And uh, by the time he got to that point, you know, he had already completed all of his forgiveness lessons. It's just that that was the last one. And not only was it the last one for him, but it was also meant to be an example for others. So, you know, sometimes uh, when a master is living his final lifetime, he has to be there for other people. He has to kind of like point them in the right direction. That's kind of like part of his job. So Buddha was like pointing people in the right direction, and so was Jesus. And you can see uh, the Jesus of A Course in Miracles, the voice of A Course in Miracles, you know, gently pointing us in the right direction and saying, look, uh, this is what worked for me. Maybe you should check it out. You know, maybe you'll save yourself a few thousand years in your <laughs> spiritual development. And I think he means that, because uh, this kind of forgiveness undoes uh, the ego and progresses you light years in your spirituality. And it undoes uh, all karma, and it undoes uh, everything that's been trapping you here. And it's kind of like it frees you, and you're freeing the world at the same time, uh, you know, one of my favorite quotes from the Course, and my teachers use this in the books, they say, fear binds the world, and forgiveness sets it free. You know, so it's kind of like uh, as you forgive people, you're setting them free as well as yourself by joining with them at the level of the mind and acknowledging at the level of the mind what they really are. And it's almost like you're reminding them of their truth which is this perfect spirit, which is totally innocent. And uh, by the way, I, I've noticed that that's not easy for people to do, to see other people as being completely innocent. But the reason that they're innocent is because the truth about them and about yourself is that you've never really left God, that you're still as God created you. So uh, the way A Course in Miracles would put it is, I am not a body, I'm free, for I'm still as God created me. And if you're still as God created you, then you're still like God, and you're still at home in heaven, and nothing has really happened except in a dream, and dreams aren't real. So now you can forgive people, not because they really did something. You can forgive them because they haven't really done anything, because you're the one who made them up in the first place. Uh, this is your projection. This is your dream. And you have to realize that the dream is not being dreamed by somebody else. If the dream is being dreamed by somebody else, you're at the effect of it. But if it's being dreamed by you, then now you're the cause of it. And that's where power is. You know, there's no power in being at the effect of the world. There's no power in being a victim. There is only power in being at cause. And once you're at cause, you can change your mind about it. And you can say, okay, uh, I thought this was real. Now I know better. Now I'm going to forgive it because it's not real. 
And that changes everything because now you can replace it with something, which you have to do. Uh, you have to replace the idea of that person being a body with the idea of that person being this perfect spirit because it's the only way for you to experience it for yourself. So it really is true that as you see him, you will see yourself. And there's no way you know, around that. And I didn't really like that at first. I didn't like that idea. I didn't want to see everybody as being innocent and, and forgive uh, everybody. But as you go along, you realize, because you, your experience starts to change, you realize that you're the one who's being forgiven and that that forgiveness is really going to you because it's really just one of us and it's going to go right to you. And ultimately, it can really start to change, you know, your experience. Maybe your body will start to feel lighter. You know, maybe you'll start to feel uh, more like the figure in a dream, which is what the body really is, instead of the thing you have to carry around. Uh, maybe it'll become more flexible. Maybe it will be more difficult to hurt it. You know, maybe you'll get in a little accident and uh, you get hurt, but it doesn't hurt. And you'll say, well, that's strange. Uh, that should hurt, but it doesn't. And somebody uh, will come into the room, and it used to be that you couldn't stand this person. And, uh, you know, you always felt weird being around them. And then this person has no effect on you. And you'll think, well, you know, that's strange. I mean, that person used to always bother me. Now they don't bother me. And I'm becoming more peaceful. And, uh, you know, I'm, this dream is starting to become a happier dream than it was before, and the Course talks about turning it into a happy dream uh, before you awaken, because uh, heaven is a happy place. You know, this is not the happy world, and nobody in their right mind would come here. And heaven uh, is the happy world because there's only life. There's no such thing as death. You know, there's only abundance. There's no such thing as scarcity. You know, you don't have this opposite thing going on where everything has a counterpart. Uh, it's all perfect oneness, so it's only good. And uh, you don't have problems, and you don't have death, and you don't have uh, you know all this stuff that can only exist in the world of opposites. What forgiveness does is it undoes opposites and leads to oneness and wholeness. Well, what a, what a great and profound way to start out the new year. Um, I, I agree. Uh, Elizabeth from Norway, it, it's so good to see all of you again. And thank you so much for tuning in. If you, as you continue to enjoy what you're hearing, uh, you can join me on templehaze.com, uh, ongoing activities and various trips, as well as firstunity.org. You can hear various talks and things that we offer, uh, within our, our First Unity Spiritual Campus. Uh, Gary Renard, it's been a great way to launch the new year coming back on, on radio. You are a wealth of information. I'm, I, we're already getting feedback of you know people wanting to have you again. I, I wish you the best, uh, knowing the, the, the truth of those books, that you're going to bless so many people uh, with the book of when Jesus and, and Buddha knew each other. And that and those lifetimes. And I, I thank you again for all the work that you do. Thank you for being with us. It's been a pleasure to have you and look forward to seeing all of you next week on the intentional spirit. Thank you for tuning in and thank you for being with us. Thank you for tuning into the intentional spirit seeing and being with Reverend Temple Hayes. 
Join us every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Central for tools and simple applications which will support you from being alive to fully living. This program is brought to you in part by First Unity at Unity Campus in St. Petersburg, Florida. To learn more about this ministry, go to www.unitycampus.org or www.templehaze.org. Notice how the funniest things happen when we stop taking ourselves too seriously and step out boldly? Listen to Funniest Thing with Daryl and Ed as these unlikely saints administer a refreshing dose of laughter and love that will inspire you to step out boldly and experience the funniest things. Join the discussion with Daryl and Ed live every Wednesday at 5 p.m. Central Time on Funniest Thing, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Every day we're faced with countless decisions, some seemingly insignificant, others life-changing. In each situation, we want to consider all the options. But in an effort to choose wisely, I may become anxious and confused, thinking that my peace of mind depends upon making the right decision. Perhaps this is backwards thinking. Actually, beginning with peace of mind helps me make good decisions. Peace is not the result of a particular circumstance, but the very cause that keeps me calm no matter what I'm facing. Inner peace clears my mind of doubt and allows me to see what would serve me best. When I have to make a choice, I remember, for every question there is an answer, and that answer begins with the peace I already have. Peace can begin with me. To find a Unity Church near you, please visit our website at www.unity.com. At Metaphysical Romp 2, we demystify metaphysics to help you live life at a deeper level. One of our key principles is the recognition that you always have the power to choose how you respond to any situation. Instead of asking, why did this happen to me? A better practice, which aligns with the metaphysical principles we share, is to ask yourself the question, how can I use this for good? We promise you'll experience a transformation in thinking that will reap huge dividends as you master the art of living metaphysically. For new perspective and spiritual insight, listen to Metaphysical Romp 2 with co-hosts Rev. Paul Hasselbeck, Rev. Bill Holton, and Rev. Cher Holton. Tuesdays at 2 p.m. Central Time, here on Unity Online Radio. What is it you really want in life? No matter what you've been through, you can still achieve it. I'm Sandra Ann Taylor, and in my Energy Activation Podcast, we'll explore the science of manifestation, and I'll give you specific techniques to shift your energy in order to make your dreams a reality. I also do live energy readings, and you can be a part of the show by emailing your questions to me at sandrataylor.net. Join me on the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network or wherever you get your podcasts. Podcasts. 